Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to the VIP Jazz Wall Report. Ladies and gentlemen, a life without travel is a life that's unlived. And today, this show focuses on how to get the best out of the big, bad and bothersome world of travel because travel in itself used to be an art, but now it's as painful as a case of turbulent flatulence. Our guest is a travel aficionado. He's traveled to more than 70 cities in over 22 countries, and his goal is to visit over 50 more countries in the next few years. He's shared his experiences on a blog called Milopedia. He's known as the deal master among his followers simply because they think he gives the best advice on every aspect of travel, from getting the best hotel deals to finding the best international meals, from revealing the best-kept travel secrets so that you get the best airline tickets, from using your credit card miles so that you get the best seat in the aisle. This man can help you in every way, so whether you choose a vacation at a nudist colony or a vacation with a little more modesty, I give you the deal master, but his mom likes to call him Rajiv. Welcome to the show, Rajiv. Hey, Vit. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be on it. How was the intro, my friend? Very good. Excellent. Now tell me, you came up with Milopedia. Yes, I did. What exactly inspired you to do that? So basically, you know, I've, uh, like, like I told you, I've traveled to some of the world's exotic destinations and i've actually you know shown people how to travel you know the mile high the business class and the first class um tickets Mm. so i figured why not you know put it out there for the whole world you know to to see it and see how how it can be done because it's it's you know there, there are means of getting miles and points and and other deals to travel so i figured you know i'd start this blog and put it out there for everybody to, to learn how it's done and how it can be done. Just, you know, a few days ago, um, if you saw the Republican debate, uh, you know, Donald Trump said, I use the laws of this country to my advantage to do a good job for myself. <laughs> so, you know, that's what I tell people. You know, I'm, I'm using, you know, the means available out there so we could, you know, we, we can travel and get these deals, you know, for, for a very little or, or, or no money. So you're almost like a deal concierge then. Uh, you could say that, yes, I am. So can people sort of write into you and, and request like they're traveling somewhere and how the best to go about it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, the blog has, uh, you know, you could sign up for for uh, the website and you can actually post questions and, and comments. Mm. And, and, you know, I get questions every day as to, you know, you know, what's the best credit card out there? What, How do I travel, you know, business class from point A to point B? So absolutely. But, you know, in in your blog, how is your blog different from other travel sites? Because what is it that you have found in this whole travel universe that makes your blog more unique than, say, something else? Um, I mean, I I guess there's other blogs out there that that focus on specific things. I mean, there's a lot of hotel blogs out there. There's a lot of airline blogs out there. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of travel blogs, too, but, you know, there's, and I'm not saying there's nobody else out there, but I just feel that on Milopedia, I'm, you know, trying to show you basically the, the, the daily specials. I mean, if I see, if I see a deal, a, a, a smoking deal out there where, where I think it needs to be shared, I mean, you know, for you to get this deal, you'd have to, you'd have to subscribe to like a hundred different 
portals or, or airlines or, or hotel uh, uh, blogs, and you know, I'm I'm putting really the, the top few deals out there every week. So you know, so you subscribed you may- to the hundred odd portals. Actually, I've subscribed to a whole lot of them. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, I, I subscribe to a lot of the airline uh, news, uh, hotel news, and uh, I just, uh, you know, that's why I'm the deal master because I, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the lookout, I'm on the prowl for, for deals like this. So you actually filter everything for us. I sure do. Yes, I do. Now, based on what you do, are, are you in a way saying that we don't necessarily get the best travel deals from sites like Orbitz, Travelocity, etc.? Absolutely not, because Orbitz and Travelocity, I mean, they're, you know, obviously they're advertising, you know, deals or, or destinations where they're getting the highest commission. Mm. Remember, I'm not, this is not a, a paid website. I, I do not uh, charge a fee for it. And, you know, I might get commissions based off of uh, listings of, some, if you book a hotel or an airline through a link, mm. these are AdWords. You know, we may get commissions off of those. Right. But uh, I'm actually promoting something that's out there uh, for, for everybody. Travelocity may promote something. They may have gotten a, a huge deal with, with Hilton, and, and all of a sudden you'll see a Hilton deal for, you know, 5 or 10% off. Right. Uh, so you're, you know, while you may not be, you know, looking to to stay at a Hilton property, uh, you know, you're the deals of no use to you. But if I had to go look at travel sites or travel websites, what are the top three that I should be looking at in addition to Mylopedia? Um, I personally like um, Kayak. I think uh, Kayak is definitely, um, you know. It's an engine that actually lets you look for deals amongst almost every travel website out there. It may be Expedia or Priceline mm. or Hotels.com. Uh, it'll uh, it'll actually filter out everything for you and you know put in a deal uh, stating that hey this guy is offering you know this hotel at this price. You know sometimes you know keep in mind Vip that. If there's a published fare out there, for example, if there's a fare from New York to L.A. for, for $300 on, on United, nobody's going to be able to beat that deal. That's a standard published fare. Right. Uh, many websites may give you a few bucks off of their commissions. So, you know, uh, uh, an XYZ website may advertise that for 298 shaving those $2 off of their profits. But it's still a $300 published fare, and there's, you're, you're never going to find... Uh, an airline published fare for three hundred dollars that you can see somewhere else for two fifty or two twenty. It, it just does not happen. So kayak is one of them. What are the other two? Um, I like uh, Trivago. Uh, Trivago is another very good uh, engine that lets you. Uh, you know, it's primarily for um, hotels. Uh, it also filters down many websites, mm. um, and uh, basically. Uh, you know, you could you could find deals on on Trivago uh, for some some sites that uh, Kayak doesn't offer. You know? Right. And um, you know, there's another uh, website that I like. It's it's more it's an international website. It's it's called MakeMyTrip.com. Uh, and a lot of times you'll you'll find deals, uh, especially hotel deals that you don't see on your traditional um, search engines. Uh, 
for, for your hotels. So I, I tend to use a lot of MakeMyTrip.com, mm -hmm. um, and uh, they're pretty competitive as well. Now, you've been in 70 cities in over 22 countries and counting. Correct. Um, what's your most overrated country in the world as a vacation spot? Um, I wouldn't say an overrated country, but I'd definitely say the most overrated city was Venice. Venice? Yes. Uh, you know, the, the, the dirty water hardly makes it a romantic experience. Uh, I, I, I guess it, it is a check-off-the-list destination, but it, to be honest, it barely impressed me. Hmm. Yes. You know, that's what I've heard. I've heard it's very smelly, it's very dirty. It's extremely smelly and dirty, and, you know, especially if you go during the summers, mm. which, you know, most... Westerners choose to go to during, you know, July, August. It can be extremely hot, and it's not a very fun experience. And the most underrated city or country? Um, I think there's, there's a lot of underrated cities and countries out there. I mean, for, for one, I'd definitely say um, Masai Mara, which is uh, southwest of Kenya. Uh, you know, uh, it's actually one of Africa's greatest wildlife reserves. Mm. Um, also, the, the Serengeti National Park in Tanzania, I think it forms um, Africa's uh, most diverse and most spectacular ecosystems, uh, along with one of the world's top safari, with, with a huge game-viewing ecosystem that they have. So I, I think th this is definitely one of the most underrated uh, you know, cities, I, I would say. Now, you're a family man, right? Yes, I am. And a lot of our listeners are, are uh, families as well. Um, I find, you know, having the, coming to choosing a vacation can be quite stressful because these days, I mean, we're spoiled for choice. We have, and, and then in the family, there are so many opinions, you know. Um, and, and the worst part of being a tourist is being surrounded by them. Yeah, the the long lines, the babies crying. It, it it's like you know being in an immigration detention camp, um, and and there's also so much research that's involved with the family. You know, when you're choosing a place, mm -hmm. and like for me, you know, my wife she loves sightseeing and and you know uh, going to museums and and there seems to be the stress of having a bucket list that needs to be ticked off, just like you said about Venice seems to be on everyone's uh, tick list. Whereas for me, I, I just like, you know, being in a hammock, having a cocktail with a funky name, women massaging my feet, listening to the breeze on, on, on the beach. Um, you, my, my you're thing, not alone there. <laughs> <laughs> my thing is this. You know, my, mom, my, my wife tells me that... We've got to take the kid and, and expose him to the culture and things like that. But do, do children really benefit? Because I think they value the moment with you, but they don't necessarily value the knowledge they've gained. I mean, for them, you know, lining up to see a museum or the Mona Lisa or something like that, they, it's not that significant for them. Uh, and it's not that significant for a lot of adults, too, I'd, no, it I'd, I'd, like, I'd have to say. But... Uh, the one thing that I'd have to, uh, you know, tell you that depending on your child's age, you know, both vacations can be, both type of vacations can be enjoyed. Hmm. Uh, I mean, beach destinations are, are great for young parents with little toddlers as they, they want to go 
you know, they, they get to relax without dealing with issues of like sightseeing and having to carry like a boatload of essentials for mm-hmm. their for their children. Uh, but I think as your child grows, you, you notice, and in, you know, once they reach to an age, uh, obviously every child is different, but you know, 12, 14, 15, you'll notice that they, they actually want to go on, you know, sightseeing trips and actually, you know, see some of the wonders of the world because, you know, now it's all about Google, right? I mean, they're, they're studying this in class and they're, they, they want to, and their friends are going to places like this. So they, they actually want to indulge in, in some of the more, uh, you know, top-notch uh, sightseeing destinations, yeah, and also it becomes an educational trip. Hence, your child, uh, you know, sounds uh, much more knowledgeable because they're it's some of their friends that are visited. You know, all of a sudden, you know, my daughter tells me, "I want to, Daddy, I want to go to Paris." Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, when I took her, uh, you know, three years ago, she hated it. And now she wants to go back. And now she wants to go back. You know. Okay. Well, you know, you, you're given the name Deal Master, so let's talk about the deals. Hotel okay. deals. How do I know I'm getting the best deal on a hotel abroad? Because recently there was a, I think there was a news article in Daily Mail where um, Europeans paying for the same European hotel was far less than Americans paying for that hotel. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily agree uh, on, on on media that said far less. I mean, like I said, there there are times where a certain website or or, or, or a travel engine might be offered a a, a better promotion or a deal. Mm. Uh, and and it, it's you know the same goes for for Florida. I mean, when you want to visit. Florida, and uh, you know, you want to stay at a Disney property that could run you, you know, hundreds of dollars, you know, four, five, six hundred dollars a night. Uh, you, many a times on their websites, you'll see a deal that states, you know, for Florida residents, thirty-five, forty percent off. So it, it can be targeted demographically for for people that are residents. Hmm. Uh, you know, that's of course that plays. You know, huge in terms of discounts for locals. Right. But if but getting back to you know a website offering you know a better deal from within that country, uh, it, it can definitely happen if they're if the hotels you know advertise a better promotion for for that for that engine basically. Well, now summer vacations tend to be the big one, right? Because obviously school kids have a larger, a longer break. How far in advance should you book a vacation? Well, you know, I would say to to get the best deal, uh, you, you you should book at least three weeks in advance. Although, you know, I'm one that 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 books my vacation sometimes four or five months in advance. Is there a significant uh, difference between the four to five month and the three week period? You know, there might be a significant difference on hotels sometimes, but the the one thing I, I want to tell you about about airline tickets. When you when you book 21 days in advance, you're actually getting uh, you're getting one of their their lowest available fares uh, that they're offering. Now, keep in mind, booking too early can also sometimes prove expensive, as airlines, you know, when they start off a, a, a an itinerary or, or a destination, they'll probably list those fares as published fares. To give you an example, you know, you might want to fly from 
from New York to London, uh, which might have started off at $2,000 round trip on, on a coach class ticket. Um, as you know, there, and there'll be a block of people or, or, or a segment that will actually just purchase that because they want to get it out of the way and they want to, somebody's going in a big group, they want to all be on the same flight. Hmm. But then as, as you get closer to travel, you know, airlines also, you know, they're, they want to offload their inventory. So they'll start now discounting those fares if they panic. Or, I mean, they obviously have their own systems in place. They're all computerized, and, and you know, they, they usually have a supply-demand protocol in there that'll, you know, now release some seats at, uh, at a lower price. And, and that's why you'll notice airlines, and not, not too many people know this in the, in the airline world, airlines actually have different classes of tickets. So just because you're flying economy doesn't mean everybody paid the same. There's the T class, there's the W class, there's the G class. There's different classes that airlines release tickets on, under. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll probably want to release 20% at, at X dollars and 15% at, at, at another price and 10% at another price. And, and that's how airlines work. So I would say... That's no, but how do I know? How do I know which class I'm getting if I want the one with the highest discount? Well, the, the one with the highest discount is usually always, always, uh, uh, sort of advertised at the time. Uh, give you an example, and and I'm sure everybody at some point or the other has has sort of experienced this. Now you go to a website and you see you you want to book a ticket from, let's say New York to, L.A. And you're, you notice that the fare is $300. And then suddenly you put in, wait a minute, I've got six more friends or family members that want to join me. And you put in seven tickets, and the fare goes up to 375 uh, That's because they only had one seat available at a G or a T or, or a class that had that $300 fare. Mm. And then the next five seats were released at a different class. And, and when you book it, you'll actually, on every website, you'll especially on airline websites directly, you'll actually get to see the class that you're actually booking. Wow. So yeah. is there a best day of the week to book air tickets? Um, I think th- I, I, there's nothing proven as such, but booking on a Tuesday or a Wednesday may get you a few bucks off of the airfare. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't expect to get hundreds of dollars off. You may see a 2 5 $10 on an average. Uh, savings booking this uh, on a Tuesday. But I think more important than what what's the best day to book, I would say the best days of travel. Mm. If you were to fly on a Wednesday or preferably Thursday and come back on a Monday, that's when you get the best deal versus, you know, flying on a Friday, coming back on a Sunday. The best deals are available oh, so on a Thursday to, to Sunday, to Monday. To Monday. Where's the best place to buy late deals? Because, you know, my wife always likes to surprise me and say we should go away this week. So if I want to get, like, the best deal with, with the shortest amount of notice, with the same websites, the, the Kayak, the Tribago? Yeah, the same websites, because sometimes, you know, if there's a lot of unsold inventory, then they're really offering you the best deal for, for last minute. Now, you're very, when we spoke, you were very excited about the um, flying the Mile High Club for a fraction of the price. 
Yeah. And you actually believe that you should travel business class as opposed to economy because it sort of adds value in the long run. Absolutely. Explain that. So basically, you know, the one thing that I'd like to tell, I tell everybody, I'm like, it's not just the flatbed when you fly business or first. It's the entire experience. When you, from the time you leave your home, you know you've got an extra 30 minutes to, to, to leave because your, your, your check-in lines are going to be a lot shorter because you've got, you know, you've got a, you've got a red carpet line uh, to check into. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, no stress of overweight luggage because your, your luggage restrictions are more lax. You, you, you get more, uh, more weight. Um, and then, you know, once you, you've checked in, which is a very stress-free process on, on, on the business and first-class um, categories, you then get to relax in the lounge. Uh, you're pretty much, you know, first in to board if you choose to. Right. You're, um, you've, you have no stress for, you know, you, you'll always see lines on an economy. Why does everybody line up? an hour in advance when you know everybody's going to get on there. That's because a lot of people stress about overhead compartment space. I mean, what happens if I can't fit my bag in there? The airline's going to check it in for you. Uh, people have value bills in their bags. I mean, so that's another thing that, you know, you, you don't have to worry about. You've got, you've got a ton of overhead space. Mm. You've obviously, it's, it's the, the bed that you have there, especially on long-haul flights when you're flying, you know, the transatlantic uh, or you're going to Asia, I mean, these, these 10, 12, 14-hour flights, uh, you know, the bed makes a huge difference. The, the class of service on, on, on that business or first uh, seat that, you, that you're on, I mean, better, a whole lot better food, better wines, better liquor. But, uh, you know, the economics of the situation might give you high blood pressure. Okay, so that's, you know, that's what I focus on, on, on Milopedia. I actually tell you, mm-hmm. you know, how you could get that for a fraction of the price. So now, tell when us. I say a fraction of the price, uh, you know, you could very well pay, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 for a business class ticket mm-hmm. flying from, from the East Coast to, to Asia. Um, and I tell people, I tell, you know, Apply for airline credit cards. You know, there's, there's some of the popular ones out there are like the Chase United, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Chase Sapphire, the American Express Platinum. Uh, you know, I tell people, accumulate your miles. Sign up for every loyalty program that's out there because miles are cash. Uh, a classic example of it last year, American Airlines with uh, the Citibank um, uh, co-brand tie-up that they had, they were offering 100,000 miles for signing up for their credit card. That's one of the best offers I've seen in like a long time. You apply for that card, you, you meet minimum spending requirements, and you, you've got 100,000 points in, in your uh, American Airlines account. Uh, do not apply for joint accounts because have your wife apply for another card. You now have 200,000 points. You've, you've, you've had to meet the minimum spending, so you've got you know, the, the, the spending miles in there. There's bonus miles that are offered. So these miles can rack up very easily. All these airlines, credit cards, they actually have tie-ups with third-party um, sites, like restaurants and, and dining programs 
where you can, you know, go charge, use that credit card, charge your meals, and you get five times the points. So you've had a $200 meal, you get 1,000 points, you get 1,000 miles. Uh, and, so where do you where do you know where, where do you get notification that these offers are on? Like if you go dine, uh, and you you get like two hundred points or whatever. Well, first, firstly, all the airlines and all the credit cards that you've signed up mm. with, they'll send you you a, 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 a weekly uh, newsletter that right. tells you you know the, the different promotions and deals out there. Most people sort of just look at these emails and click on the delete button and it's over. That's exactly you, what I do. Yes. And, and if you read through this, you will notice that, you know, like I'll give you an example, the Chase Freedom Card. Every month there is a different promotion. And that promotion is either on your login portal or you can get it in an email. Hmm. Uh, they'll have a different promotion every month. Uh, for this month, they're offering, hey, you, you use your credit card to buy gas, gasoline, and we're giving you five times the points. But, I mean, most of us spend, you know, three, $400 a month on gas. That's, I mean, you put that on your credit card, and you're talking about, you know, 1,500, 2,000 points just for that one month. Added. It all adds up. It, it all, all adds, adds up. up. But I wanted to ask you, if traveling to Asia by business cost, would cost me something around $10,000, roughly? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I was to use points, correct. How, mu- how many points would it cost me? So, of course, uh, different airlines have different programs, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I actually uh, you know, publish on my blog. Uh, from time to time, there's different promotions going on. But, but to answer your question... Um, you know, if you had those American Airline miles, yep. uh, they actually partner with uh, a, a bunch of airlines to go to Asia. Uh, Cathay Pacific is one of them. Uh, Etihad is another one. Uh, Qatar Airways, which is which was actually rated as the best airline in the world by Skytrax, uh, you could get uh, a one-way seat on these for sixty-seven thousand five hundred miles plus, you know, a few dollars in taxes. You know, five six dollars in taxes. So you're talking, you know, points that you've earned either through sign-up bonuses or or just through your your regular day-to-day charges. I, I charge a cup of coffee on my credit card because there'll be a credit card. Many there's many cards out there such as the Chase Sapphire. They they have an ongoing promotion, two x, which is two times the points for dining. Dining anywhere. Dining anywhere. It's two times uh, the points. But so do you have to register for the you, two times? You do not have to register. It's automatic. That, that's an automatic promotion that they have, the Chase Sapphire. Now, with the Citibank you were telling me about, yes. uh, how do you meet the minimum spending on these cards to get the bonus points? So basically, you know, the, uh, th- there's different ways to do it. I, I, I tell people, you know, charge everything. The, the, the easiest thing that you can put up there are your utility bills, your, your, your internet, your telephone, your cable. Mm. Uh, you know, people buy gift cards all the time. I, I say put those gift cards uh, on, on your credit card. Your, your dining, your, your groceries. Uh, believe it or not, there's actually a website that lets you uh, charge your car payments, your monthly car payments on, on, on their website. Yes, given that there is a small fee involved, but, mm. you know, that's, that's a way of meeting your, you know, your, your minimum spending to get these bonus points. Which website's that? 
the website is called chargesmart.com. Chargesmart.com. Yes. Does it hurt your credit score applying for so many credit cards? Um, so basically, every time you apply for a new card, you are going to see a ding in your credit score from anywhere from five to seven points. Mm-hmm. It's really negligible if you're applying for a few cards a year. Uh, again, my one advice I, I tell everybody, if you're buying a house, do not apply for credit cards because uh, any any few points off your credit score can hurt your chances of a mortgage or, you know, a better interest rate. So, mm-hmm. you know, stay away from, from applying for credit cards if you're applying for a mortgage. But other than that, you know, it's not a big deal if you apply for three, four cards a year, uh, you know, so that means with all these points that you have, if you follow that line of thought, then really you shouldn't be going to websites like Kayak and, and Travelago um, because they need cash, right? They need cash. So you then need to do it a la carte. Correct. So then you'd have to go, if you choose, you use the points for the airline, then you, you choose a hotel, and then you use the points for the hotel as well. You could use the points of the hotel as well. I mean, points, I mean, there's different, there's hotel uh, reward credit cards mm. as well. I'm not a huge fan of hotel reward credit cards. Because Why? I, I feel, um, I mean, unless, unless you're staying um, at uh, like a hotel that's $1,000 a night um, and you're, you're able to get that room for, you know, 40,000 points, mm. Uh, you're max, you, uh, unless you do that, you're not maximizing those points because I feel, um, let me give you a classic example out here. Let's say you're, you're staying at a hotel, which uh, the rack rate uh, is $200 a night. And if you were to use your miles or your points, it would cost you 30,000 points a night. All right? So now for a $400 trade-off, mm-hmm. you've just used 60,000 points. If you were to use, you know, those same 60 or 70,000 miles for a one-way business class ticket, mm-hmm. which would easily cost you three, four, five thousand dollars for that one way, there's no rocket science to that, right? I mean, why waste your points on on a 600 or 400 dollar hotel room when you can accumulate airline points and use the same for for a better value? Yeah, for, um, like you were saying, you know, 60,000 points for a $10,000 ticket mm-hmm. as opposed to 40,000 points for a $1,000 night stay. Correct. So you need to be some sort of a mathematician as well. Well, you know, not really. Once, you know, you, you get into the whole gamut of, you know, the points and the miles mm. system, you'll, you know, you'll understand it yourself. And, you know, that's why, you know, that's why we have a blog out there I have a blog out there to tell and to show people that, you know, here's what you should do and here's the best way to maximize on your points. Have you ever calculated how much you've actually saved by going through the methodology you have percentage-wise? Uh, I mean, if you'd, if you'd paid for a holiday that, say, cost you, say, $10,000 in cash, but using the, your, the methodology you have, how much it actually cost you in cash and then how much you've saved? Actually, I've really not done the math to mm. that, but I can tell you, you know, the one thing is that I don't think I would pay, you know, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars for a round trip business class ticket. I would never do that. It's uh, you just work the system, effectively. I just work the system exactly. You also Absolutely. said you've also said that you know never exchange foreign currency at airports. 
Yes. Um, is that the is that the biggest spread that there is on 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 the foreign exchange? Yes, it's basically uh, you know you could uh, there could be purchasing or exchanging money at especially at an airport. Mm. Uh, you know the, the biggest name that comes to me is Travelex. You, you see that at almost every airport, right. at least in the United States. Um, you know, they'll always there. There's always a big sign out there that says, you know, zero commission fees. And I always wondered, you know, zero commission fees. That's that's great. How do they make money? You know. Um, so I go up to you know, uh, one of the um, kiosks, and I, I look up there and I say, um, you know, there's they're offering one twenty to the dollar for for the euro. Mm which means if I wanted to get 100 euros, I'd have to pay 120 U.S. dollars, right? right? And I'm thinking to myself, but the today's exchange rate with the interbank rate was 105 or 108. Right. If, uh, so there's a huge spread out there's there. There's a huge spread out there. But, then, spread, yeah. but what I find is, I mean, when I go to the airport and if I land and I'm about to take my taxi or what, I, I go to the local ATM, that's actually the best way to do it. That is right. That's the best way to do it because the local ATM hmm. will dispense you, you know, a local currency, and you will actually be billed at the interbank rate. I mean, I always tell people, always look for a known bank. I mean, look for a Citibank, for a BNP Paribas, for for a Hong Kong bank. Don't don't just go into a Joe Schmo bank uh, because you never know what their fees might be. Even then, even with those fees, you will definitely come out ahead by making those withdrawals for your ATM card. And again, if you have a um, uh, preferred uh, ATM card, or you're you know you're in private banking, or you have uh, you know uh, a special card, uh, you may actually have any transaction fees waived from what the the third party bank charges you. I wanted to ask you now. Um the reason I go to the ATM is to get some cash, so I take a taxi. Mm-hmm. Internationally, is Uber pretty much all over the world at the moment? It's—I I wouldn't say it's all over the world, mm-hmm. but I think it's in in some of the major cities and countries that you know one would want to visit. So, does Uber, the app we have now, does it work when you land in Germany? Uh, the Uber app. Should work in Germany. I have not tested that or mm. validated that, but I am told it will work in, in Germany, yes. What's the best airline nationally that you recommend? Um, I think, uh, it, it, again, it depends on you know what part of the country you're from, because mm. um, given the fact that we're from the New York, New Jersey area, I would, I would pick United only because I have a pretty much a direct flight to any or every destination, at least within the country. Um, if I had to take an American Airlines flight out of Newark, uh, then more than likely I'm going to have to make a layover at one of their hubs, which mm-hmm. is either you know Dallas or you know another hub of theirs. So I would think that that's really specific to the region that you live in. And, and if you're region. going internationally, let's say Europe, Middle East, and Asia, for Europe... What's your recommended recommendation? For Europe, I think, uh, I mean, there's, depending on the deal you can get out there, I think United's, you know, a, a great airline. I mean, you know, keep in mind, no matter what 
U.S. carrier you, you, you travel on, whether it's United or American or, you know, Delta, you're always going to, you know, have a, a level below the international carriers for service. I mean, we all complain, you know, when we get on a United aircraft or United tail flying to London, and, you know, you'll invariably hear people say, hey, there was no food, or, uh, you know, they, they charged you for drinks. Hmm. So in that respect, I... If I fly internationally from uh, New York or from the U.S., I would I lean to go with with a European carrier such as Virgin Atlantic or um, Air France. Uh, you know, obviously, depending on the destination. If I'm flying to France, I'd take Air France. If I'm flying somewhere to the U.K., then you know, definitely you know Virgin Atlantic because these are probably the only direct flights. You know, again, it's country specific. Right. Uh, so, I, I, in that respect, I would, I would prefer a European carrier over taking uh, a U.S. carrier. Just going back to the um, credit card thing, what, yep. what credit card brand do you recommend, uh, Amex or Visa? Well, I think uh, I think one must have uh, both because um, there's different promotions on on both those. Card mm-hmm. uh, Visa has its own, you know, set of promotions that they they're always advertising. Um, I love American Express for uh, you know their membership rewards program. You've got but does that membership rewards program the benefit of that outweigh the cost? Because I think it's like five hundred bucks a year. It is actually it's about four hundred and fifty dollars a year mm-hmm. for the American Express. But I think you know, and I can say I, I have I have a huge article on on this topic on my blog, and I can tell you that somebody who travels, you're well worth the, the 450 because for one, you're going to get American Express offers you a $200 airline credit fee per calendar year, which means you can use those $200 for change fees, baggage fees, in-flight purchases, whatever. Um, no, what do you mean? Whatever. I mean, you can buy anything in the airport. Well, no, not at the airport. With the airline, you could, you could, uh, anything to do with the airline, like you know, uh, closing booking fees when you're booking a mileage ticket, uh, tax. Uh, well, not taxes, but you could pay for um, ex- excess baggage. Well, what about like duty-free items that you can buy on the plane itself while you're? I have purchased duty-free items before on on the aircraft and and gotten credit for it. Oh, you have? However, yes, I have. However, I have also been told that, you know, credit card purchases for, for duty-free items have not been reimbursed. But, uh, you know, that's a debate that one needs to have with American Express. But I have not had a problem with that. Oh, that's, you've done it more than once then? I've done it more than once. So I could buy a bottle of whiskey or a cologne or anything correct. like that on, on, on the flight? On the flight, correct. And then how do you go about claiming your money back? You don't claim it. Again, here's well. The caveat to that is you've got to select one airline per calendar year. So let's say you select United Airlines. You could only get that credit on United Airlines. So you're not going to be able to use that on on American Airlines or, or Lufthansa or something else. But you can choose only. any airline in the world. You can choose any U.S. carrier. Or I couldn't choose Virgin or British Airways. No, you cannot. Not not yet, unless you know they they think about making changes to their program. As of now, you can choose any U.S. carrier. But again, uh, you know that those charges can apply. You know, 
for domestic travel when you want to make a change uh, in your in your booking, mm. or, or or a cancellation fee that that gets covered w- with that. So you know, for one, I, I definitely like that feature. They they also offer you the the global entry. Um, aspect of it which is once every five years now if you're travel if you're a an international traveler at mm-hmm. least a frequent international traveler i think it's totally worth it because you actually you're coming home after a long flight and there's long lines at immigration a lot of times um, you just you know swipe your passport put in your fingerprints and you're on your way out i've spoken to a lot of business people who don't like the global traveler program because they feel that they go into their finances a lot and there's a lot of investigations and things like that and they want to keep their i guess their business affairs private as private as possible anyway actually i i i don't believe they go into your finances they definitely do a background check on you you know they they obviously they have their protocols and procedures for you know uh, the anti-terrorism acts that they follow, mm-hmm. uh, Homeland Security, but there's, I, I don't believe they go into your finances. Okay. Uh, yes, that's, uh, at least I don't believe that is true. Now, uh, what is Amex, course, what's the connection with Amex and the Global Traveler? Um, they've probably, uh, when you say Global Traveler or Global Entry? Global Entry, sorry. Well, it's not only Amex. I, there's there's a couple of airlines that have a couple of credit cards that have now started uh, promoting the global entry, including the uh, the American Airlines Executive Card from Citibank, which also, by the way, has the four hundred and fifty dollar uh, annual fee, mm-hmm. just like Amex, and uh, they're offering uh, you know similar benefits. Um, um, hence, Amex is not the only one. So right. you know, it's it's just one benefit. Of course, that's once every five years. I think one of the, the 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 great benefits of Amex Platinum is if you're staying at one of their FHR, which is their fine hotels and resorts um, program, mm-hmm. you actually qualify for a third night for free. So that that could be a huge savings. I mean, if you're staying, um, you know, at at a hotel that that's going to cost you you know four hundred or five hundred dollars a night. And you take advantage of the one night free offer, that yeah. that that pays for itself. That's wow. just one trip that pays for itself. Now, part of travel, and, and especially you know relating to family vacations, is this whole coverage uh, in terms of insurance. To what extent do the credit cards insure us, and to what extent should we be buying insurance, or do we have insurance policies within our home insurance? So basically, uh, you know, there's 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 a difference between travel insurance and medical insurance. Right. So let's talk so about the, travel first. Okay. So the, the, you know, travel insurance is it, it can get expensive, uh, and again, most of the times, like let's say you know, let's say you're going with your family to to the Bahamas. Uh, it's a family of four, mm. and you've purchased your air separate, and you've purchased your hotel separate. Um, the one thing that I tell people is that if you purchase the travel insurance, there's a lot of fine print to it. You're only going to get reimbursed for certain reasons. If you can provide a doctor's note, if you fall sick, you get injured, there's a debt in the family. And a lot of people have this misconception that if they cancel their airline ticket, they lose their money. That's not true. 
in reality, you can really use you can use the value of that ticket for up to one year with a little bit of penalty, of course. I mean, they may charge you you know $150 penalty, but but I feel most of the times it, it does come out cheaper than than actually buying travel insurance. Um, hence, I do not buy travel insurance because it's covered under the card. It's no travel insurance is not covered under the card. It's just that I can get my money back. Or I can get airline credit. Oh, so the airline gives you, say, if your ticket costs you five hundred, uh, and you cancel it, they they charge one fifty, but you get your three fifty back. Exactly. You don't get it back. It's it's held in in an account, right. almost like a, a United Bank account, where you can use that for up to twelve months. But if you had bought the insurance, would you get the five hundred back? You would get the five hundred back, provided. You cancel for one of the coverage. Oh, so you reasons. have to know what reasons. It's not a blanket coverage. No, it's not a blanket. There is no blanket insurance out there that'll just let you cancel based on your, you know, whims and fantasies, and uh, you know, you have to have a valid reason. Medical insurance. Now, you know, um, within the U.S., that's fine. But if you're traveling abroad, and I mean to places like Europe and things like that, uh, even Asia. Um, for first-timers, you know, the air is different, the water is different. You're going to get or feel something that's going to weaken you. How can we cover ourselves medically in such a way that it's actually convenient? Okay. Uh, the one thing I will tell you is that older folks, and if you're in your 70s and 80s and you're taking a vacation overseas, mm. I'd say buy medical insurance. And who do you recommend? Who are the best um, providers? Okay. So there's, there's, there's a bunch of them out there. Um, and, and, you know, you could go actually to the U.S. travel government website, which is travel.state.gov, and they've got a whole list of carriers uh, and insurers out there. Mm-hmm. But I personally like uh, two companies that, that I've used in the past. It's called visitorscoverage.com, and I've also used insuremytrip.com. Um, these are, you know, if you're if you're a young or younger, healthier person, which uh, obviously they don't, they don't do any any t- exams or tests on you. Right. But if you're, you know, an average, you know, 45, 50 years of age, it's not a whole lot of money. You could get a half million dollar coverage for for about three to five dollars a day. Um, but I also tell people that before you, you know, jump the gun and, and purchase um, medical insurance, check with your, your, your personal policy that you have, mm-hmm. your, your, your health insurance policy, because many a times you are covered under your medical insurance policy. A global coverage. A global coverage. So how does it work? If you're not well, you go see a doctor or you go to a hospital or something's happened in, in let's say, you're in Thailand. Um, if you show your card, do you still have to pay out of pocket and then you come back home and reclaim? Okay, so if you've, if you've purchased medical insurance, mm-hmm. uh, traveler's medical insurance from, from a reputed company, um, then... Uh, more than likely, uh, they will accept your card and, and deal uh, with the insurance company directly for payment. Right. Uh, if you're using your, your personal uh, insurance, your, your regular medical insurance, 
you may have to pay out of pocket mm. and, and actually submit a claim once you're back in the United States. It would be so convenient if you just had one card that's, you know, universally acknowledged and accepted. It would, but, you know, it's, uh, it, it, this is a huge money game when it comes to, you know, health insurance, at least in the United States. Uh, and, you know, but keep in mind that, you know, it, it, when, when people come into the United States from, from outside and, mm-hmm. and they fall sick here, I mean, you could rack up bills in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, just that's just because how our system, how our medical system is out right. here. But uh, you know, I've I've actually had a friend who who fell sick in, in Hong Kong mm-hmm. uh, about two years ago. Actually, not he, but his child fell sick in Hong Kong. And uh, even though they had medical insurance, uh, I believe a four or five day stay was like under two thousand dollars. So it's not that it's not going to break the bank. It's you know, it's definitely you know affordable. If you have to pay up front and, and, and you know claim those monies when you return back to the U.S., right. but you know uh, you know just something you know to keep in mind that uh, not not every country will will charge you you know ten thousand dollars a day to be in a, in a private hospital room. Right. Well, Roger, if you're coming to the end of the show, what's the latest post going to be on your blog? Uh, the latest post, I've actually got a bunch of them that's coming up. I've um, I've got a comparison on. Um, which airline um, gives you actually the best food and wine mm. uh, while traveling internationally? Uh, I've also got uh, a post coming up on you know which is the the best credit card uh, to get you the best hotel, um, and I've actually got a whole bunch of them coming up. Uh, but you know, look out for for, for updates on my blog. Sign up. And, uh, you know, you'll have uh, your daily or weekly uh, newsletters in your mailbox. And give us a website address. It's www.mylopedia. That's mile as M-I-L-E-O-P-E-D-I-A dot com. Thank you very much, Rajiv, and bon voyage, my friend. Thank you so much, Bip. It was a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Your comments and your follow are so very welcome on my Twitter account at Vip Jaswal and my Facebook page, The Vip Jaswal Report. A special shout-out of thanks to my wonderful team, William Sanchez and Rick Buser. I wish you a wonderful evening tonight with your family and loved ones, and until next Sunday, have a productive and a very happy week ahead.